today on Ag News Daily. Really working at focusing on unity within the industry. Uh, and, uh, you know, working together, uh, you know, you're always stronger working together than you are separate. And so about 18 months ago, we really started focusing on uh, working much closer with NPPC. Well, here we are, second day of November. Welcome back to the Ag News Daily Podcast. Let's jump right into some weather this morning. Tanner and Delaney here to hit some headlines. We've got extremely dry conditions in parts of Nebraska and Kansas. Amid low humidity and gusty winds, you know, Delaney, what that brings? Potential fire risk. Got gusts of 20 to 25 miles per hour this afternoon in those areas. They are certainly going to be pushing in that westerly wind. Of course, that's what we're looking to bring in some of our warmer temperatures that we hope to experience here by the end of the week. Unfortunately, it does bring those fiery conditions. Eastern Missouri, Western Illinois, they also have low humidity and high winds. We'll continue to keep an eye on that, but it looks to be mostly dry throughout most of the country as these pressure systems push through. Uh, of course, we're still looking, hopefully, for some chances of rain, Oklahoma, Texas direction, but that should be about it. Well, all right. No other weather headlines for us than Tanner? Nope. That's what I got for today. Okay. Well, I'll keep moving then here to some news related to the Federal Reserve. Of course, they wrapped up two days of meetings here, and the major headline is they've kept the interest rate unchanged. And Jerome Powell has also indicated that they're possibly going to end the tightening of interest and inflation, and their policy rate remains between five and a quarter and five and a half percent. They said the economy grew at a strong pace in third quarter, and a lot of traders are adding bets to whether or not the Federal Reserve is done officially raising interest rates, but Federal Chair Powell said the situation remains something of a riddle with the U.S. Central Bank offices willing to raise rates again if progress on inflation stalls. So we're getting some mixed signals from uh, Chairman Powell there, but in a press conference ending the two-day policy meeting, he said that they're definitely on a better course of action now. And given the uncertainties, he wants to maintain the federal's benchmark interest rates, hence why they didn't raise them for now. But we are about 20 months into their tightening of monetary policy, Tanner. So we'll, time will see if they do anything here in future months. It's a mixed bag as far as the outlook goes there. Yeah, that's interesting because there was some pretty strong forecasts for a quarter yet this year and maybe another 50 points next year. And interesting for them to see the potential for cooling off. We saw that Bayer's large investor, the Union Investment Group, called Wednesday for the German company to reconsider its litigation strategy as they take on glyphosate trials and settlements here in the U.S. A key U.S. trial lawyer has signaled interest in restarting the negotiations and settlement talks around Roundup, the weed killer, uh, to spoke out two of the cases spokespeople spoke out against Bayer after it lost its third consecutive trial over the weed killers uh, alleged carcinogenic effects more cases are scheduled to go on in the next coming months it's a very different day it's very interesting to see where 
these cases will be heading to Laney. There are some nearly 14,000 claimants who have responded to these uh, alleged carcinogenic side effects that they will be looking at taking on settlement or trials for here in the future. This most recent one was a California jury on Tuesday found Bayer liable in the case that brought a man who claimed his cancer came from the company's glyphosate-based Roundup weed killer. They settled or were, did not settle till any, they were ordered to pay $332 million in that case as part of that verdict. So you can see why this is drawing attention of their largest investor and what their strategy may be going forward. Well, Tanner, as we know, President Biden kicked off his investing in rural America blitz in Minnesota on Wednesday with the announcement of a $5 billion funding funding measurement for soil and water conservation, rural infrastructure, and economic development. Secretary Vilsack said that about $1.7 billion of that was allotted for stewardship specifically and was the single largest injection of money into USDA conservation programs ever in one year. That package also includes about $2 million for economic development for projects in rural areas with persistently high poverty rates in nine different states, as well as Puerto Rico, and $1.1 billion in grants and loans for rural infrastructure improvements across the nation. As we know, this is going to be kicking off here a two-week tour Over the next uh, two weeks, about 13 different cabinet members and senior officials will be speaking in 14 different states, Tanner. So that is just the first state there in Minnesota where they kicked that thing off at Dutch Creek Farms, about an hour south of uh, Minneapolis there. So we'll continue to watch that tour as it progresses. But of course, the main goal here really is for President Biden to be able to tout his accomplishments that he feels he has made during his time in office to try to connect with rural voters as we head into election season, Tanner. So I'm sure we'll start getting a bunch of ads and whatnot. Well, we already started have getting that here in the state of Iowa, but uh, it's my least favorite time of year. Yep, I would agree. A new program is going to be tested in South Dakota that's aiming to provide local ground bison meat for tribal communities to help support native ranchers in the process, as well as provide security to those who have food insecurity. Native Americans is a group that has some of the highest rates of food insecurity. They unfortunately are frequent at nonprofit nationwide networks of food banks, and very seldomly do they live close to grocery stores with the convenience of picking up their groceries. So the new pilot program from the USDA aims to provide local source products to them through their food distribution program on Indian reserves, or FDPIR, another acronym for us to many. Three tribal nations located in South Dakota are participating during this testing phase. the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe, the Rock Sioux Tribe, and the Lower Brew Sioux Tribe will be the first sets there. But we also got Thursday, our ethanol numbers for the week. Ethanol output hits a two-month high, and stocks continue to decrease. So we see some pretty strong demand coming in place. Output was 1.052 million barrels per day. 
that was up from 1.04. Your stockpiles in the inventory have now plunged to 21.012 million barrels, uh, making that a drop 21.398 the week before doing. Well, we also saw here the U.S. commercial crude oil stocks, which excludes the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, increased about nearly 800,000 barrels to about 421,000 million barrels in the week ending October 27th. That's putting us roughly 5% below the five-year average where strategic stocks usually are. Gasoline stocks rose just slightly, leaving them 2% above seasonal levels. But all in all, Tanner, stocks are tightening up here when it comes to our oil reserve. And uh, in particular, distillate stocks fell, dropping them to levels of 12% below, typically where we are this time of year. So uh, as you mentioned there with ethanol, that's continuing to uh, increase in production But all in all, Tanner, this is certainly something to watch as we talk about all of the geopolitical issues going on between Russia, Ukraine, and of course, Israel and Hamas. Uh, That area of the world is going to have a direct impact, I think, moving forward here as to where we are with uh, oil stocks, commercial oil stocks moving forward. The U.S. is still, unfortunately, pretty dependent upon other countries to help set the stage and provide that for the United States as well. Yeah, I think you're right. The only other headlines I've gotten to add today is just that update uh, from Gaza. Gaza hospitals are struggling to treat all the injured patients due to the lack of the ability to get supplies in. Again, this is adding up uh, more calls for humanitarian efforts. Uh, They will continue to push to urge the military to be able to provide civilians with the care that is needed. However, Israel bombed the densely populated Jabalah Jabalaya, ooh, that's a tough one, Delaney. Where to put your emphasis on the word uh, to make a poor movie reference? The refugee camp there was the second time it's been hit in the last two days. The Hamas run, the Hamas run enclave uh, received their second massacre in that area, especially targeting their command and control complex themselves. Again. The UN is working together, but is warning that the strikes raise serious concerns about disappropriate attacks, especially those on civilians in the area. And we will see if there are any more additional exodus granted from Gaza in the coming weeks, as the first sanction was successful and those 500 and some refugees were able to cross into Egypt. So that's what I've got for today, Delaney. I think the only final piece of news here I have, Tanner, is an ADM facility is planning to expand their corn plant in Marshall, Minnesota. This ADM corn plant is going to be producing some plant-based chemicals, uh, specifically here as we look at this agreement. They have reached an agreement with a specialty chemical company based out of Houston, Texas, Solugen, and they're beginning to set construction here on a 500,000 square foot biomanufacturing edition starting in early 2024, according to the news release by both companies. Solugen also is planning to expand their production during the first half of 2025. This will increase, of course, jobs as well as uh, jobs for the construction, as well as jobs, of course, when that gets wrapped up there. But these plant-based specialty chemicals and bio-based building block 
molecules, that's a mouthful, will be manufactured at the new plant in Minnesota. And according to ADM, the facility will use ADM-provided dextrose to scale its current line of lower carbon organic acids and develop new molecules to replace existing fossil fuel-based materials. So some exciting news there for ADM. But Tanner, that is the final headline that I have here this morning, aside from taking a look at the overnights. Well, let's take a look. Well, as we take a look here at December corn, it's down a half a cent at 474 and a half. Nove beans up seven and three quarter cents in the overnight at 1299. Hopping over to take a look at wheat, December wheat, Chicago contract here this morning down two and a quarter cent at 559 and a half. December hard red winter wheat is down two and a half cents at 637 and a half. And December spring wheat is down two quarters of a cent at 709 and a quarter. Livestock yesterday, Tanner, closed higher on the board as December live cattle added seven and a half cents. We'll open this morning at a buck 83.62. January feeder cattle added 82 cents yesterday to open this morning at 238.02. And December lean hogs shed $1.57. We'll open this morning at 70.15. Tanner, for today's conversation, we are turning the conversation over to Bob Ruth with the National Pork Board to talk about his recent time in office. Well, Tanner, I'm excited today. We're chatting with Bob Ruth, the current president for the National Pork Board and a pig farmer in Pennsylvania, as well as a lot of other involvement in the industry, which I'm sure we'll dig into here more in just a little bit. But Bob, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Delaney. I appreciate the invitation. Look forward to talking to you. So, Bob, you are a pig farmer in Pennsylvania. Tell us a little bit about your family's operation. Well, Delaney, I actually uh, don't have a family operation. I work for the Clemens Food Group, uh, which is the uh, owner of Hatfield Quality Meats. I uh, have run the, uh, the live side of their operation for the last uh, 21 years. Um, I'm actually out of the day-to-day operations. I'm shareholder of the company. Uh, if you're not familiar with them, the Clemens uh, Food Group, is a uh, privately held family owned uh, company for over 130 years. Uh, It's still uh, a a family uh, organization uh, with uh, multiple family members uh, into their eighth generation uh, working for the company. It's it's been a great experience uh, working for them uh, for the the length of time that I have. Uh, Before that, I actually worked for a couple companies, uh, Prestige Farms down in uh, North Carolina. I actually started out with them back in the mid-80s and then uh, worked for Continental Grain and then for Smithfield Foods for for a a number of years. Before I actually came to Pennsylvania, I started my own operation in Pennsylvania back in the mid-90s and then ended up uh, selling those uh, farms to the Clemens Food Group and helping them out, uh, like I said, for the last 21 years. So that's a quick uh, snapshot of my experience. That's exciting. I'm glad you shared that. So now uh, let our listeners know how you stepped into the current role that you have with Pork Board. So as I was slowing down in the uh, day-to-day operations for the food group, I got a call from a couple people in the industry that thought uh, it would be good for me to uh, to 
run uh, for the pork board to serve on the board uh, because I have uh, some unique experiences that a lot of other producers don't have from 2007 to 2012, I actually helped the food group uh, reorganize their meat sales uh, operation. And so I worked on the meat sales side for that uh, five-year period, which gives me the unique experience of working on both sides of the business. And uh, it served me well here with the pork board. So uh, that's actually how I got on the pork board. Well, that's a very exciting path. And I know you've served in other capacities and you're obviously this year's current president. So with your role as president, Bob, what are you focused on here for the next not quite year that's left in your term? Well, the, the probably the biggest thing that uh, want to stay continued focus on a, a couple of the previous uh, uh, presidents, you know, had the had the foresight. Uh, and and uh, again, working along with NPPC uh, and the presidents on uh, that side of the uh, organizations as well, really working at focusing on unity within the industry uh, and, uh, you know, working together, uh, you know, you're always stronger working together than you are separate. And so about 18 months ago, we've really started focusing on uh, working much closer with NPPC and making sure that we've got the, uh, the same priorities and the same, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, action items that, you know, we're not duplicating efforts and NPPC understands their lane and we understand our lane and, and making sure that we're just working together to be more effective and efficient, you know, as two industry organizations, you know, working for pork producers. Uh, so that that is strategically is is probably the biggest thing that I'm working on. But then obviously, you know, with the market conditions that uh, that we have right now, uh, which are, uh, you know, not very good at all, continuing just to work on the the demand side of the business. And, uh, you know, again, looking at a lot of the work that we're doing from a human nutrition standpoint, that's a big spend that we've got going on this year you know, to, uh, to help people understand that pork is a, uh, a healthful uh, part of uh, their diet. And uh, one of the things that I think that we as an industry have missed, that we were, uh, you know, really outmaneuvered by our uh, uh, chicken uh, friends, and uh, we've got to get that message out. So that's a, that's a big spend for the, uh, uh, for the pork board. Obviously, you know, our We Care initiatives are very important as far as helping us to uh, maintain, you know, our license to operate in uh, in the U.S. And then last but not least, uh, you know, we have not had African swine fever yet here in uh, the Northern Hemisphere, and we continue to want to make sure that we keep it out. Uh, and but more importantly, if we do happen to get it, that we're aligned and that that we do the best job that we possibly can to keep our export markets open in the event that uh, that we would have to happen to have, uh, you know, foreign animal disease hit us. So, you know, a lot lot of good work going on. And, and we are excited about uh, always excited about the future of pork. So as you and your team work together. How, how much do the meat councils all work together? You mentioned your friends in the poultry industry and what they've done well. Is there, is there uh, thought leading amongst all industries as far as well, working together with ways to deliver consumer messages? 
That's that's a great point, Tanner. Uh, we are we are really trying to uh, to get more uh, you know communications going across into across our agricultural industry. Uh, you know, you mentioned chicken. We're not really doing anything there right now, but we are working. You know, trying to get together with NAMI. Uh, with North American Meat Council. I think they're changing their name to the Meat Institute, uh, but trying to work with them to make sure, again, that we're aligned in our messaging and our priorities and those sorts of things. Uh, you know, our Corn Growers Association, Soybean Association, we've, we've, start, uh, we've already had a, a, a good relationship with them, but we're strengthening that as well, Tanner, because like I said before, we are so much stronger together than we are separate. And sometimes in agriculture, you know, we are, we're the, that independent mind and, and we need to make sure that we kind of put that to aside and make sure that we're working together across our industry a lot more effectively and efficiently. Bob, as you look at the remainder of your role here, I know June is still a long ways away when you step out of the presidency role, but beyond that, what are going to be your focuses here for 24 and beyond? So having, having had that meat sales experience, I am, I am a big demand advocate. I don't care how cheap we can raise pigs for, if we can't sell them, it doesn't do us any good. And so I've always been focused on how we can uh, address our consumers' needs better and how we can uh, make our consumers understand how we produce pigs, why we produce pigs, and uh, the, the amount of uh, effectiveness and efficient, uh, efficiency that the uh, pig farmers bring to consumers, and then that we've got a tremendously healthy uh, product for our consumers to have. And so that's that's always been my focus and will continue to be a big focus of mine. So as we end this short conversation, giving our listeners just a little bit of insight, what's the best thing they can do to keep tabs on what uh, your association is doing and what they can help to power flow that message in 2024? Boy, I'm glad you asked that question, Tanner, because I, producers really don't understand the, the strength and the power that they have. And so I just ask all of our producers to get involved, okay, to get involved locally, to make sure that they're given tours, to make sure that people understand what they do and why they do it. Uh, and again, you know, uh, we farmers can be kind of independent minded. And so, you know, we get wrapped up in, in working so hard that we forget that, you know, people don't uh, sometimes want to know how we do things. And all we need to do is to, to talk to them and to make ourselves available to them on a local basis, on a state basis, and on a national basis, and tell our story. We've got the best story in the world to tell. And if we just take a little bit of time to tell that story, it would go a long way in helping people feel more comfortable about our product. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Tanner and Delaney. I, I, and again, thank you for asking me to, uh, uh, to spend a little bit of time with you. Another great conversation. Love getting the livestock industry in on some of these interviews. If you've got somebody you want us to talk to, listeners, make sure you send it our way. We always appreciate guest suggestions. But for today, Delaney, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.